The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. And now it's time for the Mr. Nelson Show. Yes, indeed, this is the Mr. Nelson Show. I am Douglas Nelson. Otherwise known as Mr. Nelson, and this is episode 208. I don't have Red here to confirm that, but I'm pretty sure this is episode 208. Red is once again on the road. He only got Thanksgiving off, and now he's back on the road hauling God knows what to who knows where. Uh, but he did get Thanksgiving off, and he did share it with his lovely wife, Betty June. They're back together again. Uh, well, they didn't really split up. But he had to move into the camper trailer, uh, but now he's back in his lovely uh, double wide with Betty June. So uh, they they made uh, amends over Red's obsession with Mercedes Carrera. So uh, it all worked out. Uh, Lefty, on the other hand, his Thanksgiving dinner, uh, well, <laughs> there's always a war at the dinner table with the Turdingtons. And uh, Lefty, as you know, just can't shut up and uh, got into a political battle with uh, his brother-in-law, who it turns out uh, was a Marine in the war. And I I, I don't know what uh, war criminals and George Bush and uh, something about the, the Dick Cheney movie coming out and all that. And uh, one thing led to another. And stupid Lefty thought he could take a swing at this guy. And the guy swung back and laid him flat. So uh, he's in the hospital now with his uh, jaw wired shut. Um, and so uh, the family kind of uh, worked it out. And I don't think uh, the brother-in-law is going to have to go to jail or anything because, uh, well, the authorities around here are pretty familiar with Lefty and uh, the trouble he causes. <laughs> Nobody likes him. So uh, he's not here either. Uh, so uh, get well soon, Lefty. <laughs> um, so I figured I would deal with something that uh, there's kind of an anniversary, a one year anniversary for the debut of the movie Justice League. <laughs> Which most people, I'm sure, have forgotten and never gave it more than a passing uh, glance. But uh, for hardcore DC Comics fans, uh, the the war rages on. Uh, whether or not there is a, a Snyder Cut, uh, there is. I think that's that's been pretty much confirmed. It's just a matter of how much uh, it was completed and if it would ever get released. Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, there was a Donner cut of the original Christopher Reeve Superman movie. And, uh, what was it? Almost 20 uh, over maybe 30 years before they released that thing. And it, and it was not complete. Uh, so uh, maybe at some point they'd let's tack it on to a, a package deal and there it would be, or maybe their streaming service would, uh, uh put it out. I, I don't know. But, um, but the storyboard artist who worked on it said, yeah, the, all the photography was shot. And, uh, he, uh, Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in the film said, yes, it, you know, there's a complete cut. It's just, uh, music 
and uh, special effects wasn't completely added in yet and it wasn't sure how much or how much was not done. And the interesting thing about it was Zack Snyder was doing the reshoots of the movie. There was a uh, a get-together where they uh, viewed, the executives or what have you, viewed uh, a rough cut of the film, and the word that came out of it was it was unwatchable. And it comes down to it that it was unwatchable because they thought it was too long. Uh, it was close to three hours, I believe. And we'll get into this because this uh, I'm going to read this Screen Rant article, and uh, it's pretty in-depth. So uh, uh, go to the bathroom now, <laughs> pause and come back because this could take a while. <laughs> and But anyway, uh, so that seemed to be the problem at first, but then they were upset about the reactions to Batman versus Superman, stuff like that. Even though it made its money, the critical response was negative and uh, word of mouth was getting negative And oh, they say, oh, we got to we got to turn it into uh, a lighthearted Marvel movie and this sort of thing. And whether or not Zach was pushed out or uh, as was, I mean, what are the odds that his daughter would, you know, she sadly committed suicide in the middle of all this. So the guy's just gone through a lot and that they took that. Well, he's got to step down because he's got to deal with the problems there. And but other people thought he was already fired even before that happened. I I, I don't know. It, it's too close of a thing. I think they just took advantage of it and they got, oh, boy, we can get Joss Whedon. He did the Avengers. And they thought he would come in and magically save the movie and turn it into an Avengers movie, um, which is impossible to do at the 11th hour. Plus, his J- Joss Whedon's Avengers movies are just not that great. <laughs> and the first one's okay. The second one, it stinks. So, but it made a buttload of money, and uh, you're forbidden from uh, criticizing uh, Marvel movies. <laughs> it's just not done. DC doesn't have that. They really don't. Yeah, like I, I've said it before, um, uh, Marvel, they're the cool kids. They're the kids you want to hang out with. DC are the nerds, and you, you, you're you just supposed to shit on them and give them wedgies and stuff like that. So that's just the way it is. It's not fair, but, well, there you go. All right, this from Screen Rant, written by Stephen Colbert. <laughs> that's what it says. It can't be the same guy. But anyway, it's going to cover every confirmed change within the movie. How much of it was uh, Joss Whedon's Justice League and what of Zack Snyder was left in it. So, uh, when it says, when Snyder left the production of Justice League, everyone close to the production claimed Joss Whedon was merely completing the film Snyder started. Yeah, that wasn't true. The idea that they, hey, they were good buds, and Snyder called him up and said, hey, man, could you finish this up? I, I got to take time off with the tragedy and everything. Hey, buddy, no problem. Yeah, I- I- I'll skip, I- I'll stick to your, your, your storyboards and script. <laughs> now, uh, and, and again, it, I don't like Joss Whedon. I think he's a hypocrite and a butthole, but I don't think he deserves a lot of blame for this either. This is clearly on the shoulders of Water Brothers, and he was basically doing what they ordered and hired him to do. So, uh, although I'd heard stories that he was a bit of an asshole on the set and nobody liked him, but, you know, that's, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> um. So, uh, a conservative estimate says 30 minutes of Justice League's theatrical cut is a product of Whedon's reshoots. 
Uh, assuming a rumored uh, runtime of around three hours for Zack Snyder's original cut, that means over an hour and a half of Snyder's original movies entirely missing, and even more was tweaked and altered to a new context. So, uh, yeah, I think the three hours is probably true of his movie, especially since the original idea, what he started production on this, and he went immediately into it after uh, Batman vs. Superman. They, they said, hey, get on this. We want this Justice League movie. And uh, the original plan was for it to be uh, part one, part two. So he was that's what he was working on and filming. And then, ah, make it one. That was the first new order to come in and change everything. So, okay, so he's doing this story, but it's, you know, a really long movie. And they, oh, God, cut that. So, uh, so now I'd say only 30 minutes <laughs> of, of the movie is Josh, but it's probably, this is conservative estimate, it's probably more of Josh Whedon and uh, uh, the rest of it uh, is Zach stuff that he shot, but it's Josh tweaking it and changing it around. Certainly the color scheme was changed and all that. And you can see that by looking at the original trailers and teasers they released. And suddenly uh, everything went from a, a, a desaturated dark, which was part of this, the look of the other earlier films. And then it suddenly is uh, oversaturated <laughs> and red. Uh, there was a red tones everywhere when it was all blue and the original. So it's bizarre. Um, there's been much debate on whether or not uh, the Zack Snyder cut exists. It, it does. So uh, we have already covered that. Uh, but Warner Brothers has no plans to release it. Uh, but, you know, like the Donner cut eventually got released and then other cuts of Blade Runner, of course, got released as well. There were, I think, several different ones uh, out of that one. But uh, so anyway, here we go with the uh, different changes for it. So right off the bat, the um, the, the, the music score uh, was supposed to be by Junkie XL. That's his... Uh, his uh, performing name, his real name is Tom Holkenborg, I believe. A Holkenborg, maybe. I, sorry if I'm getting it wrong. But he partnered up with Hans Zimmer, who who scored the Dark Knight trilogy, and he did the music for uh, Zack Snyder's Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel. So he was maintaining this tone, and since Junkie XL uh, worked with him, uh, since Hans Zimmer was bowing out, uh, Junkie XL was the guy to stick around and, tr and keep that theme and mood so it made sense for him to be there but for whatever reason uh, they booted him out of there and so uh, Danny Elfman came in now Danny Elfman there's a lot of people that are just crapping on him <laughs> but look he's brought in to do this thing he should have made an attempt to continue the mood and sound of what uh, was established, but he didn't. And he went with, uh, he had done the original Batman theme for the Michael Keaton movie, which wasn't bad. It was pretty good, but it didn't, it wouldn't gel with what was established in this version. And the idea is uh, that was done. This is a new version. You're moving on. So uh, the themes worked on, and, and for Hans Zimmer, he had to do two different Batman themes because <laughs> he had done the Dark Knight and then he had to do Affleck's Batman and all that. So, uh, but instead, if Elfman brings in sounds of his uh, Batman theme and uh, bits and pieces of the John Williams, Christopher Reeve Superman theme and stuff like that, 
in there because, well, that's what Warner Brothers wanted. They wanted to recapture Christopher Reeve's Superman because they figured that's what everybody wants. That's who they remember and whatnot from a a 40-year-old movie. Yeah. So uh, that's what he did. And it was a mistake. It doesn't flow. This is part of an ongoing story. They need to connect. And this was a foolish uh, move they did. And so uh, why they didn't just keep Junkie XL there, I don't know. But for whatever the reason, they fired him. Um, so he says he was working on it uh, into July of last year. So that means a good bit of it could still be there. There might be some of it, but I'm sure it can't possibly uh, be finished. So that's too bad. Uh, Steppenwolf's design was changed from the one in Batman vs. Superman. Now, the theatrical version of Batman, <laughs> here we go again with another cut, <laughs> uh, didn't show Steppenwolf. But if you saw the the ultimate cut or whatever it was called, I think it was called Ultimate Cut, um, the director's cut, basically, uh, uh, on Blu-ray, you saw the scene of Lex Luthor uh, sort of communing with Steppenwolf, I suppose, or seeing an image of him from the Kryptonian ship's computers or what have you. And it's this monstrous-looking creature. Um, then uh, you see the Joss Whedon version, and it's just a guy with a helmet on. This is a design the comic books had given him in recent uh, versions of him. He didn't look like that at all when Jack Kirby designed him. He just looked like some sort of yellowish-green-skinned aristocrat with red eyes, and he had you know, this sort of old European outfit that was all green and a hat and stuff like that. And eventually in order to sell toys, he got some kind of armor thing, but there were, there were no horns or anything. That's a later thing that happened, but I don't know. They went with it and he thought, well, maybe it kind of matches up to the, the monster image, <laughs> but, um, yeah, or they just didn't think at all, but yeah, that was something they did. And it didn't go over well because the CGI was cheap and, uh, looked terrible uh, so, uh, they should have gone with, uh, the original, uh, but they didn't. So it, it did Zack Snyder put that version in there. Was he in there somewhere? Is there a version of that? I don't know, but that might be one of the things where, oh, they didn't do it. Uh, the pair of demons that, uh, they were part of the plot was they hated police sirens and they smelled fear. <laughs> Um, so one of the first scenes established this, uh, but thanks to an interview with the actor that played the thief in the scene, we know it was Whedon's edition that he came up with this. And yeah, that's pretty obvious. It's terrible. It's a stupid idea that that was the reason that the parademons were showing up because everybody's so scared since Superman had died. Uh, the, the, the uh, Wolf in the, in the story is supposed to have, uh, been on the earth before, uh, like 3000 years ago. And, uh, he got beat by the, the Olympians and the Atlanteans and the Amazons and they all beat him and he left and his mother boxes were left behind and all that. So he's been wanting to come back ever since. And, uh, he's waiting for when the earth was really scared. <laughs> so, uh, the black death didn't do it. So, uh, world war one and world war two didn't do it. <laughs> you know, the cold war scared. Now, now the death of Superman is what scared. Now, I mean, and then before Superman dies, the Kryptonians invaded and nearly destroyed the whole planet. But no, no, that didn't scare people enough to attract the parademons. Oh, my God. Woof. Oh, that was bad. So clearly, uh, Josh Whedon stuck that in there. 
just to try to make this work because, well, I guess he had to. I mean, he couldn't complete the film as was because it, he was under the, the gun for it to had to be under two hours. So uh, maybe that was the only way for her to make what he had uh, to, to work with to fit, you know, and to work. So well, there you go. Uh, so the, oh, in the opening song, everybody knows that's Whedon's, uh, choice too. Lex Luthor's role in the original script was much larger. Instead of Batman learning about parademons by catching them and making them explode, he was actually learning from Lex Luthor's journal and possibly from Lex Luthor himself. It's not clear how much of Lex was cut, but we know Batman was using his journal because we see it in a couple of scenes. And he also makes a reference to it at one point. The thing is, the journal contains information about the mother boxes. Luthor didn't learn about until the end of Batman vs. Superman, so it couldn't have been confiscated with the rest of Luthor's possessions. Thanks to Conservator, we know Lex was supposed to be in his cell in Arkham. Yeah, there's an image of Lex Luthor standing around in his cell. Uh, Superman's story had to be almost entirely reshot, which is why you get uh, his face looking like he suffered a bee sting and he uh, <laughs> he's, he began to swell. Um, because he had a mustache on for uh, the uh, the latest Mission Impossible film. And uh, they said, hey, can he can he shave his mustache? And they said, no, we're not done with him yet. <laughs> so he obviously there must be footage of him in his Superman outfit <laughs> with that stupid mustache. <laughs> so then they uh, paid. I, I don't know how much I've heard it was as much as ten million dollars for the guys to use CGI to paint over his mustache. And it's terrible. It looks awful. And there's tons of people doing it on YouTube and stuff, and it looks perfect. They were able to do it for free. <laughs> Now, granted, it's on a smaller screen, so maybe uh, doing that for a movie screen, it wouldn't have looked as good. But I, boy, I don't know. It, it they got screwed on that. It wasn't worth the money they spent. But what are you gonna do? Uh, so, Dark Side, uh, the biggest thing, uh, was supposed to be in the movie, and I think at the end. Uh, but other than uh, Steppenwolf just mentions him. Uh, which makes no sense at all because it doesn't explain to the artists what he's talking about. So in the original plot, Dark, I mean, uh, Steppenwolf is looking for the mother boxes in the hopes he can use them as a weapon against Darkseid and overthrow him. And, to, and then you would get a larger uh, story there to understand, oh, this is what this is about. And, and that would lead into the next movie. But uh, that's about it. So there was a scene in which Wonder Woman is looking at some ancient uh, uh, artifacts or what have you, and there's a mural in there, and an image of Darkseid appears with his uh, parademons from the old ancient battle that happened. Uh, but uh, the battle we see is Steppenwolf doing it. Maybe Darkseid had been there. Uh, this uh, Zack Snyder himself on his uh, Vero social media account said that was they showed the image, and that was Zeus's. Zeuxis was Darkseid's original name in his younger days, so that would have been him back when he wasn't really uh, in power yet and probably a, a subordinate to Steppenwolf, and then Steppenwolf's humiliating defeat uh, ruined his chances of being in power. Uh, so that's probably what he was trying to do, and that kind of corresponds with Jack Kirby's old story, not in 
not directly or entirely, but the idea that maybe Darkseid manipulated Steppenwolf into a war that got him dethroned and ruined uh, would have fit, because that's what he did in the comic books. But anyway, no, he took all that out. <laughs> I can't have that. And the idea is that it ends, and I've heard stories that it ends for a cliffhanger to go into the next uh, Justice League story where Darkseid appears, kills Steppenwolf, and then kills all the Justice League, and only the Flash escapes because he's so fast, and he goes back in time. And you got to have some kind of time warp thing where the Flash saves the Justice League. And I guess that would have happened in the next uh, movie, uh, you know, depending on what they were doing. But anyway, the movie was to end with a vision of Darkseid. Uh, Cyborg was supposed to have a more important role in it. Uh, they had changed Cyborg's story in the DC comics when they rebooted their DC comics universe to make Cyborg a member of the Justice League. He hadn't been. He was originally part of the Teen Titans. Uh, but they rewrote that because, well, diversity, you know. <laughs> uh, they could have used Black Lightning, I suppose. But uh, Cyborg actually worked out. They came up with a clever idea of where his origin uh, is melded with uh, Darkseid trying to invade the Earth. And uh, an explosion uh, in a... I forget how exactly, but a mother box exploded and it uh, destroyed Cyborg's body and his father uh, races to save him. And the aspects or the technology of the mother box is used to create his Cyborg body. So essentially, Cyborg himself is the mother box and he has all its abilities and he can open these boom tubes, they call them, that are these sort of, uh, you know, pan dimensional doorways that you can walk into another universe or what have you. And, uh, the justice league would use them to transport themselves all over the earth and stuff like that. So cyborg became uh, a very valuable uh, member of the team. And so they could have done something similar to this. There was supposed to be a scene where cyborg learns the history of the mother boxes and he can see this vision uh, because he's, you know, he's connected to the computer and the computer recreates all the imagery and he's walking around looking human in it. And he sees the Nazis having discovered the mother box and there would be more of a story there. Uh, but, well, uh, <laughs> nope, took all that out. Because <laughs> you know, then uh, Cyborg himself could have been someone that Steppenwolf was after because Cyborg would be a mother box, I would have thought. But. I don't know if they were going to do that, but still. Uh, so there was a, in the other scene, that's have seen some footage of that on YouTube and whatnot, where uh, Barry Allen saves his girlfriend, Iron, Iris West, from a car accident. Uh, that was all cut out and might not have been necessary for the overall thing, but it was uh, giving some more development to the different characters who were relatively new. You only got glimpses of them in Batman versus Superman, so... You know, but, um, oh, well, uh, Aquaman, uh, they showed his story and that was, who knows how much of that was supposed to be with Batman or Bruce Wayne rather looking for him. And there's scenes there where it doesn't look right, where his beard is much longer and then suddenly shaving it off. And it is, I mean, I, you know, and then some of the scenes you can easily tell was shot on a green screen, uh, with Aquaman giving some lines with a background that just doesn't look real <laughs> uh but then uh atlantis changes up a bit he goes there to find steppenwolf is uh attacking the atlanteans and he fights him and all that but originally i think he came up to see the statue of an old dead king which actually uh, i believe sets up the story for his own movie which we'll see 
Uh, well, there is this story about an old Atlantean king, and it's connected to uh, to Aquaman. Uh, there was more scenes to deal with. The entire Justice League went to retrieve Superman's body. Uh, Zack revealed photos of that, uh, which was a more somber scene, which you would think it would be, rather than just the Flash and Cyborg talking stuff. <laughs> uh, and But that's, who knows, why were they all there? I don't know. But uh, who, what happened there? Uh, we don't know, but it's, it's all gone. Um, and then there was supposed to have more explanation for the nightmare that Batman had in the Batman versus Superman movie, where he sees the Earth in the future having been taken over by Darkseid's forces. The parademons are there, and Superman's turned evil and uh, apparently serving Darkseid. And this would be something along the lines, and it's still some of that in the movie where Batman fears that they've got to revive Superman before Steppenwolf does, because if Steppenwolf revives him, he'll turn him evil and put him under the... the uh, the power of the anti-life equation, which if Darkseid gets the anti-life equation, he can control the universe and everyone's mind and all that sort of thing. And uh, certainly use it on Superman to uh, be his sort of governor of Earth as he takes it over. Uh, there was more scenes of Lois and Martha. I believe uh, when Superman was revived, they... Uh, did a scene where he, when he awakens, he's all confused and he ends up fighting the Justice League, which actually gave some of the best scenes of the of the film. <laughs> uh, but still, uh, ultimately, to calm him down, uh, Martha ends up having to show up. Uh, uh, but I believe this was at his home uh, in Smallville and Lois is there and all that. But then they repeat, repeat the scene from Man of Steel when he was a little boy and he got scared when he was his powers were manifesting themselves and he didn't know what was going on. And she calmed him down. She does the same thing here and he calms down and he comes back to normal and understands who he is and who they are and all that. Meaning of course, that uh, the Smallville farm scene was completely reshot. Um, uh, well, uh, so uh, then they get a different bat cave than the one you saw in Batman versus Superman. <laughs> So I guess you just have to chalk it up to it was another section you just didn't see. But uh, it was the hangar for Batman's super bat plane that was going to haul them off to the, the final battle. So I guess. Uh, and so I don't know how much of that was Zack Snyder and how much of that was, uh, you know, Joss Whedon doing that. But it just doesn't fit, again, with the original, uh, you know, uh, movies already established, so what are you going to do? Uh, then there's missing scenes from the Star Labs where Cyborg's father is, and uh, apparently uh, the Atom, the the second version of the Atom, Ryan Choi, was in there. He was like an assistant to uh, Elias Stone, uh, Victor Stone's father. And, uh, uh, and another thing, I thought that uh, Victor Stone was supposed to die at the move in the end of the movie, or something along those lines. But it would have centralized around Cyborg a lot more, considering again the mother box and what have you. But it just didn't happen that way. But anyway, Ryan Choi, I think, would have just been kind of an Easter egg there. But that would have been established if they wanted to pursue it later. And yeah, there you go. There's your Adam. Uh, uh, not the original Ray Palmer Adam, but you know, 
what are you going to do? Um, so he was part of Star Lab, and that all fits, considering, you know, his knowledge of, you know, the super science and whatnot. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Stone would have died at, uh, the, he's not dead in the one we have now. And I believe he was supposed to be the narrator for the end of the movie, uh, instead of Lois Lane doing it. But if he was dead, I'm not entirely certain about this, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but maybe it would have just been something he did in the diary or something like that. And, and, uh, Cyborg's reading it. Uh, apparently the Justice League versus Superman battle looked a lot different. The, uh, the scene where Superman fights the Justice League in Heroes Park was significantly, significantly altered in a number of small ways. While the overall concept of the fight was largely the same, a lot of the dialogue was reshot. The military, who would have also been attacked by Superman, was removed. Wow, I didn't even know that. <laughs> so there was the military was there and he wipes them out or whatever. And the scene was significantly brightened to take place at day instead of night. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And, of course, it would make sense that they would do it at night because the point, they resurrect Superman, so they sneak into the Kryptonian ship. And, yeah, you do that at night. And I, for whatever reason, they change the lighting to where it's done in the day. At, oh, boy. Uh, the resolution of the battle was also changed with Alfred rushing in with Lois, the big guns. Uh, former Jimmy Olsen actor Mark McClure has confirmed he was supposed to be a police officer that acted as Lois Lane's chauffeur throughout most of the film. Uh, and we know from the trailers that he was already on the scene much earlier as there's a shot of Cyborg saving him from a flaming Humvee. It's possible, if not likely, that Lois played a role in Superman coming to his senses, but it didn't happen as portrayed in the theatrical cut. No, and uh, his getting back to Smallville is where he meets his mother from the scene I've heard elsewhere about what um, what finally brings him to his senses. So it it was all reshot, albeit well, a lot of it. Because there's some scenes where you can tell uh, Cavill's face looks pretty good. It doesn't look like it's painted over <laughs> with the CGI mustache. Uh, so some of that is as is, but I'm sure the coloring and whatnot was changed and that sort of thing. Uh, the black suit made an appearance. There was some word that he might be wearing the black suit instead of his normal suit. Um, but, uh, they, I mean, and then, unless he was wearing it underneath his clothes when they buried him, I don't know <laughs> why he would be wearing it. But, uh, when he goes to get his Superman suit from the Kryptonian ship, uh, there's, there's a scene and it's, it's on the Blu-ray as well. He was walking through it and looking at it and there's the black suit. Uh, along with an armored suit and stuff like that. And then he gets his old suit back and he goes to meet Alfred and that's cut out, which is too bad because it's, it, it really calls to the comics where Alfred always liked Superman more than Batman did and got along with him. Uh, so it would have been a nice scene to have. And, you know, Alfred tells him, well, they've headed to Russia so you can find them there. And that's what he could have done. But that's about it. Uh, Apparently, there was more scenes of him trying to learn to fly again because he's been out of it since he died. <laughs> but uh, so they would have done that. But that's something I can understand cutting that out. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have been all that necessary. But uh, but meeting Alfred, I would have thought that would be something they could have left in. But uh, again, uh, he was under orders. You've got to keep this at the timeline. So because, hey, a movie that's 300 I mean, 300, three hours long or almost three hours long would never work. And, and with a cliffhanger, hell no, that's not going to work. And then Infinity War came along and did just that. But it's Marvel, so, you know, they're cooler. 
and that's that. <laughs> anyway, the film's third act was aggressively changed. Uh, in the original Snyder version, the, the, the little Russian family, it, that's clearly tacked on. I mean, it's just them. The idea is to show, oh, there's people in danger in the area. Uh, it just doesn't work. It, it's so obviously slapped on. And, of course, that's what. Uh, someone asked about it to Snyder on his uh, Vero account, and he's, what Russian family? <laughs> he didn't know anything about it. Which also puts to bed the whole theory that this was some collaboration between him and Joss Whedon. Uh, and Joss Whedon was continuing what he had envisioned. No, 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 no. He, he's, he said he's never seen the, the theatrical version of Justice League. So... Pretty obvious he's not happy with what they did with the film. So uh, there's a lot of different CGI stuff and all kind of weird crap thrown in it and bizarre, brightly colored imagery for what Steppenwolf and the Mother Box are doing to the Earth at the place and all this sort of thing. And again, Zack Snyder commented, I don't know what any of that was. It wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, there's uh, concept art footage that it, it was a pretty devastated area and probably looking more like the planet apocalypse where dark side's from and all that, but uh, not the bizarre uh, dark uh, uh, Wizard of Oz looking place <laughs> that it ended up looking like. So uh, what have you. But again, the defeat of Stephen Wolf was different, and the ending would have had the a cliffhanger with Darkseid showing up and uh, stuff like that. Cool things like Batman taking over a giant parademon gun in the final battle. I saw the concept art of that, where this is giant like like alien cannon that he I guess he beats the crap out of the parademons and takes over the guns to starts blasting. <laughs> parademons away, uh, but uh, they took that away. It was two men. I don't know why, because, I mean, it, the battle was pretty violent anyway, because Batman was on a suicide run in there with the Batmobile, but and whatever, they took that part out. So, little things like that, uh, and again, the, the closing monologue was supposed to be Silas Stone, not, uh, oh, I called him Elias, it's Silas Stone, yeah, sorry, uh, Victor's father. And uh, but he was dead. I don't know. And then the post credit scene. Yeah, that was going to be there, too. But who knows how it would have been. Z uh, Joss Whedon reshot that with Lex Luthor and Jesse Eisenberg reshot his dialogue in front of a green screen. And they just put the footage behind him to make it look like he's still on that boat talking to uh, Deathstroke at the end. But whether or not that was to set up the Legion of Doom as it is, as if that would be the sequel they, that Warner Brothers wanted would be a. Justice League versus Legion of Doom storyline, which wouldn't be bad, but I don't know what that what that had to do with the original vision of uh, Zack Snyder, and that maybe uh, Luther was more in tune with uh, perhaps trying to ally himself with Darkseid. Who knows? But uh, that's all the stuff that was taken out <laughs> and redone, and. Uh, did it work? No, it did not. Uh, the movie failed and failed miserably. And um, that's too bad. I would love to see the original, but the chances are not ever going to get to see it. I, you know, I don't know. In whatever form they release it, just so long as you get that story. But the problem being is that it was supposed to connect to f other films that were yet to be uh, at least two, I believe. And so that's never going to happen. So... 
Uh, missed opportunities. It's 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 always a kick in the nuts with missed opportunities, but that's that's the way it goes, and it's just too bad. We'll see what Aquaman does, but uh, that's going off into a different direction, and we'll see uh, how much of that they retain from where they started. So, what are the lessons here? Well, boy, there are plenty, but the main one is that. The the point of what the movie's going to be or what or what vision of your franchise or your trilogies or whatever it is you're doing here, uh, you've got to nail that thing down from the get-go. You don't change it at the 11th hour and switch it around and figure the brand name is enough to sell it. So many franchises are are getting slapped around by this lesson, but I don't see them learning from it. Uh, Star Wars and uh, Star Trek TV series did this. Uh, Doctor Who's doing it. Uh, and they're just just slapping the name on it and figure that's enough. And then lazy script ideas and stuff thrown around. If you didn't like Zack Snyder, you should have fired him at the get-go and moved on to something else. But instead, again, they were doing it hurriedly, rushing this immediately after Batman versus Superman without realizing what the total reaction would be to that film. It made its money and everything. Uh, and the hype for that thing at the time, everybody kind of forgets this was enormous. And so there was a big turnout and it, it paid off in that respect, but everybody felt cheated by it. And that theatrical version is horrible. The director's cut on the other hand, is pretty good. Uh, but Still has a lot of flaws, I think. There's other people who say, oh, no, it's the greatest thing ever. It's their favorite movie. I, well, okay. But nah, it's a flawed movie. But leaps and bounds better than what was in that theater. That that thing was terrible. And, it you know, you pay for it. But you're already deep into this thing, and the money spent, and the stuff shot, and the story mapped out, and all that. And, oh, well, just switch the chairs around, and it'll work. <laughs> Now, that Titanic's still going to sink. So uh, that's probably the biggest lesson to learn out of these sort of things. Sometimes reshoots, can. there's always reshoots. Sometimes, uh, you know, the footage just didn't quite match up with what you can't quite fix it in editing and you need to have another shot. This will make it better. And you get some reshoots and you get some dubbing and that sort of thing. That's all fine. And a lot of it's kind of it's kind of cheap to do. Um, but is rare is it that when you reshoot a third of the movie at the least, uh, does that going to work? Uh, the only one I can think of where reshoots really helped and saved a film was world war Z. Uh, and I've heard the stories about that, where it was originally going to go. And boy, did that sound like a stinker? Uh, so world war Z turned out better with the reshoots. It, it, it's interesting. Uh, Matthew Fox was in that movie. You, if you look carefully, you'll see him, but it's, <laughs> his scenes are completely dumped in the trash because the whole plot with him and his character was just awful. Uh, nothing on him. He was hired to do a job, but yeah, that was a bad idea. But there you have it where it saved it. And they had so many troubles in the production of that. That was not necessarily anyone's fault. It was just a matter of circumstance and that sort of thing. It's a different situation here. This, a lot of ways for Justice League, was totally unnecessary and did not need to go that way. And uh, the treatment of Zack Snyder is terrible. Zack Snyder is not perfect. There are things he did with this series that I'm not crazy about. 
Uh, I don't like that uh, Dick Grayson was dead. I don't. <laughs> I didn't see why it had to be Dick Grayson. Why couldn't it be Jason Todd? Which of course corresponds with the original comic book story. Um, his Lex Luthor is pretty awful. I can understand the idea of him being sort of the physical opposite of Superman, rather than just the moral opposite of him, in that he's small, he's skinny, he's weak, you know, and he's very nerdy and all that stuff. Uh, but the idea of him being a psychopath to the point where he's barely able to function, it was just ridiculous. And uh, you, look, I, I know everyone loves the Joker, uh, for the, the, the theatricality of him and all that, especially after um, Heath Ledger. And, um, but not every villain is the Joker and Lex Luthor most definitely has nothing in common with the Joker. And, uh, I don't, maybe, uh, Jesse Eisenberg could have done it, but what they hired him to do, it just was all wrong. And it's, so maybe it's not his fault. Maybe that is more Zach's, well, it is more Zach's fault. He was in charge. So, uh, that was a very weak part of Batman versus Superman. And uh, so that sort of thing. But the rest of it, you know, he had his vision. I could see what he was trying to do. Uh, Superman was a freshman superhero. He was going to develop over these films and become the Superman that people know, you know, truth, justice in the American way and all that. And he just didn't get the opportunity, and he's blamed for things that weren't his fault. I don't think we ever saw a pure Zack Snyder uh, superhero film other than Watchmen, you know, and Man of Steel. Even there, you could there's stories of manipulation and whatnot. So uh, it's a raw deal, but his name is slapped on it, and he doesn't deserve any <laughs> criticism for Justice League because it's not his film. It isn't. And to a large extent, it's not really even Joss Whedon's film. Again, a man I don't particularly like, but this is on the, the shoulders of Warner Brothers and the executives there who just kept demanding orders that were impossible to meet. And so there you go. Uh, the ultimate problem here is uh, Warner Brothers was sleeping uh, while Marvel was mapping out their master plan, which paid off in droves and had never seen anything like that in the history of film for a 10-year story to be effectively turned out and for for the most part, very successfully. And uh, DC, who was part of Warner Brothers all this time, could have done it years ago. <laughs> and then they had to play catch-up. And there again, they ordered Zack Snyder to do what Marvel did in five years in one movie. You can't do it. I don't care who the director is. It just doesn't work that way. So there you go. Yes, a missed opportunity. Very sad. But uh, we'll see what Aquaman does. Thank you for wasting your time. <laughs> it went so long. I've got a Bubba Stargon story complete. But I think I'll hold that off till uh, a Wednesday. We have another episode of Bubba Stargon then. Say... While you're here, why not check out the Mr. Nelson store at Zazzle.com where you can get your Bubba Stargon t-shirts, your Night Night t-shirts, and your Mr. Nelson t-shirts, plus Rob Saul t-shirts, and other stuff, all kinds of silly little artwork I've put on these t-shirts. You can go there, shop around, see what you like, and get something. Uh, there's little stickers that are about you know, less than three bucks, stuff like that. There's hats. There's... uh. 
and what oh coffee mugs and that kind of thing so uh have fun with that and check out the nelson theater at uh com slash nelson that's s-e-l-l-f-y dot com slash n-a-i-l-s-i-n yes it's just that simple and you can get my poor man mystery science theater treatment of old public domain movies and you can check those out and they're all cheap uh 90 cents for 30 minutes or less and uh buck 75 for full features and it's it's all there waiting for you all right thanks for listening we'll do it again i'll have a new episode again of bubba zargon next time around and i hope you all had a happy thanksgiving and now it's on to christmas yes we uh, boy it's gonna be tough getting just when you want to just get a jug of milk out of the store (laughs) and you can't (laughs) oh well uh, we go through it every year. So, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good night. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. The views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMisfits.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they will be promptly ignored and or blocked.